1: The the Scripture reading today is going to come from Ecclesiastes 7. Now, it's going to say some stuff in here that when I read it, especially you, you, you young people, you're going to kind of frown and be like, huh? But I'm going to explain what Solomon meant when he wrote it. Solomon 7, starting with verse 1, says this, A good reputation is more valuable than a costly perfume. Let me pause real quick. In this day, if you had some good smell good, listen, if they smelled you before they saw you, that meant you were royal. Because not everybody could, perform, could, could afford this perfume. Not everybody had the money to get this expensive oil that, that was very fragrant. So if they smelled you before you came, that already said somebody's rich, somebody's wealthy, somebody's popular, somebody prestigious is coming. And he's saying your reputation is even better than this expensive perfume. Continuing on. And the day you die is better than the day you were born. It's better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Da- isn't that, that kind of crazy? It sounds kind of morbid. Like, it sounds like he's saying, yo, we should hang out literally. Go to funerals and just chill. Like, like date night should be at the funeral home. If I read this, that's what I feel like he's telling me. Like, like that's where I need to be hanging out, at the funerals, instead of having a party. But here's what Solomon is saying. He's saying we spend our lives so much thinking about always having a good time, but we don't pause to think about the life that we live. And at the end of this life that we live, how will people see us? How will people remember us? And if we go to these funerals, let me tell you a story. My grandfather, Ruben Santiago, toward the end of his days, I would say like the the last five years of his his life, he would go. I'm not joking. I, I just didn't understand it. But when I read this, I understand it. He would literally go to funeral homes and just sit there and watch and just sit there. All oh, he'd be gone all day. And if he wasn't at the funeral home, he's at the courthouse, just, you know, something to do. And he would be at the funeral. I says, I says, Abuelo, why do you go to the funeral homes? He says, sometimes some of these people, nobody shows up for them. Sometimes nobody is there at the funeral home with these people when they pass on. He says, sometimes it's a whole bunch of people there. A lot of people. He says, but I go because I want to hear what the people say about the person who died. I wonder who they were and how they died. What kind of life did they live? My grandfather would say this. And this is what Solomon is saying. We all have to go on to heaven, right? But how will people remember us? Will they remember us as ornery, stingy, Will they even show up? I don't want you guys to be thinking about that, but I do want you to be thinking about that. Because the life you live today is how people will remember you. And so, I, I, I've got just a few notes, and, and adults may have it. I think teenagers may have these notes to take. I have a few notes. I want to help you along this. But before we get into this, there's another other scripture I want to share with you. And I want you to pencil this in your mind. Hold this thought because this is important. Psalms 90, 12 says this. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Let me share with you all what brevity is, in case you don't know. Brevity literally means fragile, means fragile, literally means short and fragile. Life is very short and very fragile. How do I know? This morning, I turn on the news, and people who were probably just enjoying their day a couple days ago, living their lives, going to work, spending time with their family, died in a place called Nepal. As a matter of fact, it was over 2,000 people that were living their lives, spending time with their family, going to work as normal, had no idea that they wouldn't make it home. Life is fragile, And it's certainly not promised. So live your days while you have them to the best of your ability. Watch this. Not to please you, but to please God. Not not, not for your sake, but for the sake of the kingdom. How will people remember you when you're gone? The first note I want to offer to you, you should be remembered by, number one, what you do the work that you do, your occupation, your research, right? Your behavior, children. I tell my mentees and even my own children, I say this, I say, listen, if you act up in this class, and my teachers will attest to this, if you act up in this class, when you grow to the next grade, And some of those teachers who are friends, they're going to ask, who you got? And if your name is on the list of bad kids, you've already got a mark against you. Y'all hear that? The teacher said amen. (laughs) And I really mean that. And here's the thing. You start a brand new year already behind because of your behavior. Behavior is very important. I tell my mentees that all the time. I I, I go to to the schools and have to advocate on their behalf if they get in-school suspension or out-of-school suspension in some cases. I have to advocate. Why? Because of their behavior. And they say, and and the first thing the kids want to do, y'all ready? Man, that teacher just don't like me. Man, that teacher crazy. My boss is crazy. My boss just don't like me. My boy he hasn't promoted me because he just don't like me. Then, then 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 some of y'all do this. Man this this racial. And the truth of the matter is everything is not racial. Everything is not somebody else's fault. At some point you got to look in the mirror, look back at yourself and say, "You know what? What have I done to receive this type of treatment?" What steps or missteps did I take for them to to show favor to somebody else and not toward me? What was my actions in this? Your occupation. Some of us work jobs that we absolutely hate. We give hundreds, hundreds, sometimes thousands of hours to a job that we absolutely hate because we need the paycheck. We do. We do, and it's okay to admit it. <laughs> it's okay to admit it. I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and I said, "Listen, you know things have changed. There was a time back in the day during this person I was speaking with, they're in their generation, where the the, the, uh, the ideology was, you 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 go to high school, you graduate, you go to college, get a good job, stay there as long as you can, and retire." And I says, that, that worked then, but this generation are passion seekers. In other words, there are more business owners now in today's time than there ever been in the history of this country, except for those who built the country. Why? Because people are leaving jobs and pursuing the thing that they're passionate about. This is why people aren't retiring. They love what they're doing. I don't want to quit. This is the thing that's feeding me. This is my fuel. This job that I'm doing is my fuel. I don't want to quit. And the thing about it is, if you're working in something that you absolutely love, chances are that's paying dividends to somebody else. You're happy at home. Your wife is happy because you're not coming home grumpy like, how was work? Uh." (laughs) You're happy because you're doing the thing you love and you want to share how wonderful things are. Choose something that you're passionate about. That's one of the things I tell my kids about. Me and my wife agreed early in our marriage. We will not tell them to go to college for the sake of going to college. That thing is old and played out. Go get the necessary education to do the thing that God has called you to do. And that thing that God has called you to do will actually be the thing that you're passionate about. God gave me a gift to be a musician. Nobody in my family is a musician. I got an actor, and I got some other, some politicians and stuff, but I'm the only musician. And the family, that's definitely a God thing, and God has allowed me to not only make money as a musician, but travel the world literally, as a musician. And I, and I love helping people. Now I didn't want this. This just wasn't the thing I, I thought I was supposed to do. I'm I'm too much of a sinner. I didn't think God would call me into ministry, but He did. That wasn't my choice. That was God's choice. And aren't y'all glad that He called me to be a pastor? Some of y'all are really blessed that I'm your pastor. Oh, ain't nobody glad. Thank you, Steph. Oh, Lord, I'm in the wrong church. What church am I? At? Y'all saw that? Embarrass me in front of my guests. Aren't y'all glad that I didn't run away from God and decided to do this? You all get to sit in this place because I accepted the call. Okay, enough, enough, enough. you are making me blush now. Truth of the matter is, listen, kids, get this, get this get this. How should you be remembered? By what you do. What you do, meaning your occupation, your behavior, or even research. Today, many of us are, this Bible that we read today, watch this. This Bible, it's, it's the different translations from New King James to King James to NIV, the New Living translation Scholars have done extensive research to to translate the original language, the Aramaic languages, uh, uh, to to, to something that we can understand in our modern language. Research. These people will be remembered forever. Here's something else I want to share with you. If you're following along, if you're following along, how many of you, if I say Peter from the Bible I'm talking about, how do you identify him? Most of you would say a disciple, right? Yeah, most of you say disciple. Nobody automatically says, he was a fisherman. You know why? Because we remember him for what he did. He discipled people. He helped start this thing called the church that you and I are a part of. If, if I were to throw out the name David, what's the first thing? You don't have to yell it out. What's the first thing that comes to mind? If I say David from the Bible, what's the first thing you associate him with? I doubt anybody in here 1st identifies him as a shepherd. That's like, last. The kids will probably be like, yeah, he's the dude that killed the giant. Ooh, right? Others are like, oh, he was a great and wise king. Some people just point out his sins, and we know about those type of people that always just point out the bad in you, right? But nobody goes and says, oh, David, the shepherd, that's the last thing we remember. Why? We remember the great things he's done, and it's the same thing I'm offering to you. You want people to remember the good that you do. Not the bad, because here's the thing. You will be remembered. You will be remembered. They're going to remember you. How should they remember you? You determine that. Here's my second point I want to share with you. Be remembered by what you do, but also be remembered by who you serve or who you help. Also be remembered by who you serve and who you help. There are so many great leaders in this, in this country. So many people have built this country with their bare hands. And, and when I say be remembered by who you serve or who you help, I'm talking about individuals. I'm talking about people groups. I'm talking about your church, your classmates, your parents. Be remembered by who you serve. I'm talking about poor people, rich people, And and by the way, that's a mission group, by the way. If y'all didn't know, rich people are a mission group. We always looking at, oh, we need to go and evangelize to the poor people and help the poor. Rich people need God too. And God needs their money. Come on, let me tell the truth, y'all. Amen, somebody. Listen, listen, salvation is free, but ministry is not. (laughs) It costs money to be in this building, it costs money to send. It costs money to feed people, right? But we're not evangelizing to the rich. And they need God. Most of them don't attend churches. Those are the ones you drove by this morning that were jogging with their dogs. That's a mission group. That's a people group that we can be serving today. It's not always about the poor. The poor know they need God. <laughs> they know that. We already know that, right? If we don't have money. We already own these. God help us. If I could just make it to the end of the month. I got more money than money. Lord, I need you today. We know we need God. Rich folk ain't like that. Oppressed people. Oppressed people. Watch this. I saw a brother at this conference I just went. He planted a church based upon, watch this, I'm not even joking. It it was amazing to me. He planted a church based upon, he went shopping in an area. He went to a store called H&M. He went to H&M. You know, that's the place where they sell the skinny jeans and stuff, which I'm not into. So he went to to the place to buy some skinny jeans, and he saw some homosexual guys there. And you know what he says? He says, is there a church in this city for them? And and, and he's not trying to create a movement for them. He's trying to create a place of love so that he can evangelize to them and share the gospel. Because God said, Jesus said, the gospel is for everybody. The good news is for everybody. The good news is what transforms us and changes us and renews us. And I said, that's amazing to even think that. Because I'm certainly not thinking about that. Many of us are not. Who are the people groups you serve? And I'm not saying go out there and get you a, a, a flag and rah, rah, shish, kumbah, But what I am saying is don't turn your face against them. What I am saying is not be prejudiced against them. Because if I know this about Jesus, uh, there was a time there was a woman in, in his time, and she committed the most heinous crime there known to man at the time, adultery. Literally, she got caught in the act. It wasn't even a rumor. They like pulled her out the crib. And Jesus brought this woman before all of these people. And he says, listen, check this out. Y'all want me to kill? Well, they brought the woman in front of Jesus. And they're supposed to stone her. They're supposed to kill her. They go, man, what are you going to do? Rabbi, what are you going to do? He just squatted down and started writing something in the sand. Literally. Then he says, he who was without sin cast the first stone. And I believe that's the same thing he's saying about people who don't look like us, don't act like us. Don't believe the same things we believe. He's saying, he who is without sin cast the first stone. The reason we chose the name Mosaic, y'all, was not by accident. If you think of a mosaic, it's a a bunch of broken pieces of fine china, fine glass, stuff that's very precious at one time but was broken. And instead of throwing it away, you bring those things together to create a brand new masterpiece. And do y'all know that we are that masterpiece? All of us broken in our own ways. All of us at one point were very valuable to somebody, but always valuable to God. Broken, different backgrounds, different stories, and God brings us together to create his beautiful work of art. This is why we're mosaic. And what makes your sin different than the other person's sin? We're all sinners. And so, and so, so, so my, my message in this is not to go and get your rebel flag, you know, and, hey, 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 let's go fight for the, for the poor man. But what I am saying is don't turn your cheek, don't turn your face, don't judge them because they're different. That's anybody, even Muslims. I tell people all the time I think the kingdom could get much further along uh, in our communities if we just work with other, in, with other organizations and stuff. I firmly believe in interfaith community work. I invite my Muslim and Jewish brothers to do community service. This is our community. It's not just my community. This is our community. Let God do the transformation, not me. That's not my job. That's not your job. That's his job. We're just to share. He makes it plain and simple. Share. Watch this. I want to go to Mark ten forty-five. Watch this. Even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even Jesus himself came to serve others. Y'all get this, little ones? Even Jesus came here on earth to serve others. Not to be served. He has every right, all power to be served, but he came to serve others. Now, let me tell you about this word, ransom. Get this, y'all. Let me tell you about this word, ransom. Ransom literally means it's the price that's paid to free a captive from the bondage of slavery. Do you know that when you take your time... Your talent, your money, your energy, and you serve somebody else, you are paying a ransom because your time in serving them, your time in loving them, your time and talent in in, in working with them and doing good for them really could be releasing them in that moment from the bondage of depression. Your time spent with a person who, 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 may not be, who may be on their last bit of luck, your time spent with them could literally be, re- be releasing them from the bondage of poverty. Your time and talent and monetary gifts used to help somebody else could literally be breaking the shackles of loneliness. When you spend time, you are being just like Jesus. You are being the hands and feet of Jesus. You are releasing people who may be held captive by stuff you are not even aware of. I was at this conference this past week, and uh, I'll I, I tell you, I am so full still. But I, every room I went into, they had these app sessions, which are breakout sessions. And I would go in a room and, you know, just introduce myself. It's, you know, sometimes it's all about networking. And I went into this particular room, and there was this brother who was just sitting there all by himself, Puerto Rican brother. He's sitting there. He's got his head back, and he just, like, he just looks defeated, man. I'm just like, he looks like he is truly defeated. And so I says, you know, I'm going to go sit by him. And I sat by him. and I, Oh, I have my phone. I could even read the text message he sent the next day. And so I sat by him and uh, introduced myself, and we started talking. And, and I, you know, I says, man, you, where are you from? He's from Staten Island. Okay, And so we're talking, he's telling me that he's in transition. You know, he's, he's not happy where he is in life. He's not happy where he's worshiping. He's not happy in his marriage. He's just really going through this stuff. And I honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, I was there to get something. <laughs> I was at the conference trying to get something. And so here I am, I'm just listening, and I'm saying to myself, God, I have nothing. I don't got nothing for this brother. I have nothing to encourage. I don't know what to say to encourage him because I need encouraging. I don't know what to say to, 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 to make him feel better because I want to feel better. I said, So God, if 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 you've caused me this great burden to sit next to this guy, you better speak. You better speak, God, because I have nothing. And so God began to minister to him. Watch this. I just sat there and listened. All of a sudden he started preaching to himself. All I did was listen. And in the end, I said, Let's pray. Because I know how to do that. And in the end, I said, let's pray. He sent me a text message first thing in the morning. And uh, I won't look through, but I'll it, it, find it here in a minute. But he sent me a text message first thing in the morning just sharing how blessed he was that I, I sat next to him. And then my wife, who's a witness, here it is right here. This, this is what he says. He didn't even say hello. He's like, listen, man, this is his name. I won't say it because he might listen to the podcast. He says, hey, man, this is so-and-so. Just so grateful for meeting you. Just your presence alone changed everything for me. God bless you and praying for you. Thanks for just having the courage to sit next to me. That was all. Just sitting next to somebody, showing that I care about how you feel. Showing that I care, that you, you, you look different than everybody else here. You don't look happy. Something's going on. Even though I didn't have the words, God's presence was enough for him to preach even to himself. He found me later on at the conference. Thousands of people are there. He sees me in passing, stops me, grabs my wife and says, hey, you and your husband are amazing keep doing that. You you didn't do anything. All you did was greet yourself, and that was enough for me to feel comfortable enough to share my story. That's good news. And then that moment, I paid a ransom for him. In that moment, I released him from whatever depression or anxiety he was feeling at the time. That's good news. That's good news. Here's a question that's going to really hurt you a little bit. Young people, I want you all to think about this too. Here's a question I want you to to tarry on. Think about. Do you serve yourself? Is everything you do with your talent, time, and money that God has blessed you with used to move you further ahead in life? Here's how you can answer that. Watch this. Outside of your family, who else benefits from your accomplishments? Everything you do, the hours you spend at your job, the time you spend on your quote-unquote downtime, the, the, the time you, you, you're, you're away, the money you spend. I, and I said this last week. I was like, you could tell where your heart is. Just pull up your bank account. See how much of your money went to somebody other than yourself. And I'm not trying to beat y'all up. I'm trying to help y'all. I have one mission, and that's to get everybody in here to heaven. That's my goal. And I want to make sure that when you get there, God is saying, you know what? I am well pleased. Does everything you do only benefit you and your family? If so, make just a few adjustments. Make just a few. And watch this. I'm not saying you got to go and start giving a whole bunch of money anywhere, but you can certainly give some time. People always ask me, I have four kids, four children, and a wife. Okay? She takes the most time, right? Four children and a wife. People always say, how do you mentor so many boys? How do you have the time? And here's what I'll tell you that somebody wise told me a long time ago. You make time for what you want to do. That's the truth. You make time for what you want to do. You make, you find money for what you want to get. Am I right about it? You find money for what you want to get. These boys that I mentor matter to me. I want to be at every single one of their graduations. Why? Because they're telling me that young black boys are not graduating in this area anymore. We've had the highest, the, 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 the highest rate of high school dropouts in South Cobb. I live in this area. I can't, I can't, I can't sleep at night knowing that that's going on. And it's like if I, can, if I can raise up my own boys, I think God has given me just a few hours a week to raise up some others so that someday— I can be sitting in a chair like you all, watching these guys walk across the stage, receiving their diploma because somebody paused, found time in their schedule to say, hey, man, you're brilliant. You matter. You make a difference. Anybody can do that. If you can't do that, then you need to cut something out. Amen? Amen. Y'all getting quiet on me up in here. I must be stepping on some toes. Y'all can say, ouch, we'll keep it moving. Here's the third and final point. One, what you do, be remembered by what you do. Second, remember who you be remembered by who you serve or help. And here's my final point. Be remembered how you, about how you give. Be remembered by how you give. I preach generosity in my family all day long. And when I say generosity, when you say generosity, what's the first thing that pops into most people's mind? Money. Thank you, son. Time is what I talk. I talk a lot about time. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your wisdom. All of you have wisdom. Do y'all know what wisdom is? I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. I mean, the, 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 the layman's definition of wisdom, right? Wisdom is, I'm going to share with you what I learned when I did the same thing you're about to do, tell you not to do it. That's Wisdom. It's something that you've learned in your life experiences that you can share with somebody. Let me, make a, let, me make, let me get really holy for you. It's your testimony. Anybody in here don't have a testimony? Yeah, everybody does. Every age level. In other words, we've been tested by God for a season. We passed that test. We're here today. This is how we did it. That's your testimony. That's a very, very easy way of explaining it. And that, my brothers and sisters, is where your wisdom is. And we can all share wisdom with our friends. We can share wisdom with, with our peers, with our, with, our, with our family members, right? How you give. Give of your time. Give of your advice. Now, here, let me, let me flip that. Some of y'all shouldn't be giving advice. I'm being real. I love everybody in this room, but please understand, and I've said this time and time again, and it's not to offend anybody, but this is just something my wife and I stand firm on. I will never take advice from someone who's not married. You cannot give me marriage advice if you've not been married. If you've been married in the past and it didn't work out, I might listen to you. But if you've never, ever walked down the aisle, I don't care if you've been the maid of honor or whatever, as somebody's but if you've never, ever been called husband, if you've never, ever been called wife, legitimately, because I know y'all got this wifey thing and hubby thing and y'all ain't even tied. No, not yet. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about legitimately stood before a pastor, a priest, or a judge and officially become married. You cannot tell me and my wife how to be married. I'm just sorry. I will not accept it. And first of all, I don't share my business with anybody anyway. But if I was ever to do that, I wouldn't do it. Even with raising kids, I mean, there are some great people. I listen to some people who don't have children but that are around children. But if you haven't had a a, a child before but you've read every child raising book, that's not enough for me. You can't come telling me, you know what, your child is acting up. So here's what you need to do according to Dr. So-and-so. Yo, you and Dr. So-and-so can go somewhere. I got the Bible and experience to tell me how to raise my children. Matter of fact, there's one scripture in the Bible that makes it plain. Spare not the rod. That's all I need. <laughs> the rest is, is, you know, figure it out. But seriously, we got to be careful. So, so, so what I'm saying is some of y'all shouldn't give wisdom for certain things. Okay? And I always tell people, and I, and I tell my mentees, if, if you're the smartest person in your crew of friends, then you need new friends. You're the smartest person in your whole crew of friends. You need new friends. Because here's what's going on. You are the one they're soaking up all of the good stuff from. And you get nothing in return. Relationships is reciprocal. Reciprocal means give and take. I give. You give. We both give. We both benefit. But if you're the only one, uh, now that's just wisdom. Let me talk about money. If you're the only one in your crew that got money, you need new friends. Can Can I tell it? What did I say last week? Huh? Money causes people to come into your life to help you spend your money. That's what the Bible said. It said it last year, last week in Ecclesiastes. It said that more money causes people to come and help you spend your money. He said it. Ecclesiastes 5. I'm not joking. Check it out. And it's the truth. We need to be careful about who we're entertaining and who we're allowing into our thing. We always talk about this thing about being equally yoked. Equally yoked is just not marriage. It's relationship. It's really relationship. That's your friendships. That's your marriages. That's all. Sometimes you're not yoked with the right people to be hanging out with. Amen? how you give of your time, how you give advice, how do you share your talent. Acts 20, 35, I love this. Watch what what Paul is saying here. He says, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Do you know when you give up your time here at this this church, you are blessing so many people? Like like those who get up early to help set up are blessing the people who are sitting here today who weren't here early to set up. Those who show up to, to do outreach when we're there, you're blessing others with your time. Do you know that God will return that tenfold? He gives you back that where you think that, oh man, now I'm not saying he's going to give you 25 hours. They don't work that way, right? But God will find, help you find room in your schedule to do more that would benefit him, right? Give of your time. Let me, let me share something with you All oh, that's really interesting about giving. The new four-letter word of the day is busy. Everybody's busy. I promise you, everybody's busy busy. Everybody's busy. Hey man, let's get together and have something. Let me check my schedule. I'm really busy. Everybody's busy. We fill our calendars up with stuff. Literally, it's stuff. I mean, we just fill it up. Birthday parties, uh, uh, recreational activities, stuff. Just calendars filled with stuff. And only person benefiting are you and your family nothing outside of that no outreach is scheduled busy is the new four letter word and here's what i want to do for busy folk i want to tell you what god said god never called us to be busy he called us to be fruitful very first thing he called us to be fruitful he never calls us to be busy he never said hey broderick i want you to be pastor but i want you to be super busy he says no i want you to be fruitful he didn't call you to do whatever you're doing with your life to be busy. He called you to be fruitful. And being fruitful is, watch this, it's multiplication. Being fruitful is multiplication. You're, you're multiplying whatever God has given you. You are planting seeds into others for Multiplication. Kingdom building. Be fruitful in what God has given you to give unto others. God has not blessed you to bless you. He's blessed you to bless someone else. And I think that if more of us get that in our systems, this world would be a different place. I think that if we really realize and see that every single nickel God gave me is not just to take care of me, but to take care of others. God promised us to take care of all of our needs. So anything in excess is to bless others. Anything in excess, your time, your money, you got an extra room at your house. Me and my wife, we not letting nobody else live with us no more, by the way. <laughs> my wife put me on time out. Maybe next year. This year, no, we need a break. But I firmly believe that. This is why our doors have always been open. This is why people have lived with us, because if I got five bedrooms, I listen, I can put my kids in a room, and let somebody stay there. I firmly believe that God has given me access to bless somebody else. And I hope that the people whom I've opened my door to have been blessed. they okay. Real talk. We are blessed to be a blessing. Here's, let me tell you, there's, done, there's been extensive research done, and I'm going to wrap it here, about giving extensive research done about giving. And recently, last year, in the, in the Wall Street Journal, they did these, these uh, I forgot which college, but this professor, Professor Dunn, did this research, extensive research on, on how people felt, wealthy people felt. So what they did, well, they started off with students. They gave all of these students money. It says, here, here's some money. We want you, here's, our, here's the only goal. This money we're giving you, you have to spend it by the end of the day. You, have, you cannot come back with one single penny. And you know what people did? They, they, they followed them. They hooked them, hooked them up to these machines to test, like, how their emotions would be. So those who spent money on themselves versus those who gave it away. And here's what they realized. All of the people who gave the money away that the professors gave them to spend, their emotions were much higher. They were, in, in essence, they were more joyous because of that versus those who spent the money. They were not as happy. They were they were temporarily happy for that moment. But everyone who gave felt better. So then they said, you know what, let's let's do this test, let's do it globally. So they did it in Canada, they did it in Africa, and some other countries. They did the exact same test. Hundreds of people, there's a Gallup Poll 100 where they did the exact same thing. They didn't give them money, they just watched their spending habits. And what they noticed is that those people who gave way more money were more happier, were more at peace, were more satisfied than those who constantly spent what they had. How many of y'all want some joy? Who wants them, look at all these hands go up. I dare you to give. <laughs> I dare you to give of your time. I dare you to give somebody some, some wisdom that will help them from something that you've learned. I dare you to give of your resources. Oh man, I love, listen, there, you know, I get in a whole lot of trouble when people come to the church and say, hey, I have a need because I don't send them through the process. And, you know, there's a process. If you have a need, we have a benevolence process. And, and I'm so eager to be uh, a, a first responder because I want to help them. I just know that, 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 that helping them would mean a big deal to them. And, and I want to be a part of the reason why they feel good. And so uh, I've, getting, I've gotten in some trouble because I've, uh, you know, bypassed the process for benevolence. I'm like, yo, we got you. We, you need some food? We got you why because that makes me feel so good not because I want to pat on the back but because I know that they're taken care of and I know that, that that when I see I fed somebody that was hungry I think about the scripture where Jesus said when I was hungry you fed me or, or when I spend some time with people who are in jail and I think about that scripture that says well when I was in jail you came to visit me I think about the scripture when I when I give somebody my coat off my back who doesn't have clothes or we buy uniforms for kids who don't have uniforms I, I think about the scripture where Jesus says he says he says when I was clo- when I was naked you you, you gave me clothes clothes. This is why I do it. And that, knowing that I'm doing what Jesus did, that gives me joy. Not a pat on the back, but I know that God is looking down at me and saying, boy, Broderick. I am well pleased because you put the needs of others before yourself. Amen? Y'all getting this? Listen. Here's a fact. And this is a fact. This is not Anything other than a fact. Watch this. The fact is, we all, we all, each and every one of us will be known. We all are going to be known. But how we're known is up to you. We're all going to be known. But how we're known is up to you. Final scripture. Here's the conclusion. This is from Solomon. He says, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, 14. Everything, this whole vanity series, everything that I've talked about these past couple weeks, this this is what it all comes down to, y'all. Y'all ready? Here's the whole story according to, to, to Ecclesiastes. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Get this. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing whether good or bad, he starts this thing. He starts the whole chapter. He starts the whole book saying everything is meaningless, and he ends it with saying for it not to be meaningless, what you need to do is fear God. Fear God. If you don't want your life to be meaningless, fear God. And I'm not talking about walking around like he's the boogeyman, but I'm talking about have a high reverence, for who he is, how big he is. Listen, God will meet you at the level of your expectation. And if you think that God will only meet you here, that's exactly where he'll meet you. But if you really realize that we serve a very big God that can do all things but fail, he'll meet you where you expect him to meet you. He'll meet you at your level of expectation. And if you think that the God is just a small genie in a bottle, you've got it wrong. He's way bigger than that.